Welcome to the BJ Bus, and on this episode, the Jays have holes in their bats. Kevin Pillar gets traded. Jordan Groshans is a beast. And another term from the Dixon Baseball Dictionary. Thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Alexio. This is the BJ Bus. And the Jays are abysmal on the sticks. The Jays wrapped up their series against the Orioles Wednesday and today against the Indians. Two series where we still have yet to see anything come off the bats. The first game in the Orioles series featured Sean Reed Foley getting the call up to start in the place of injured Clayton Richard. And he got lit up like Ontario Place on Canada Day. Reed Foley in the first inning gave up four runs on three hits and two walks. And in the second, led the inning by hitting Cedric Mullins with a pitch, who eventually scored on a Trey Mancini sack fly. Reed Foley went two innings, giving up five runs on four hits. And in the top of the seventh, Trey Mancini hit a solo shot to center to take the lead to 6-0. Orioles pitcher David Hess went six and a third, striking out eight, surrendering no hits. His outing came with controversy as new Orioles manager Brandon Hyde yanked him while all while throwing the no-hitter. As Hess came out facing after facing one batter, the Jays were finally able to get on the board as Randall Grichuk hit a two-run shot to left center, bringing the O's lead to just four. In the bottom of the eighth, Freddie Galvis hit a solo shot to right to close the gap to three. In the bottom of the ninth, Kevin Pillar would get his final RBI as a Blue Jay as he hit a sack fly to right as the Jays attempted to mount the comeback as Teoscar Hernandez was able to leg out a triple as the lead was down to just one. Lourdes Gurriel, who can't seem to do anything but strike out, did so once again with a man just 90 feet away. The Jays would drop the game 6-5. And Marcus Stroman's second start of the campaign was yet another solid pitching performance where the bats were nowhere to be found. Stroman went five and two thirds, giving up two lone, giving up the two lone Orioles runs of the games in the sixth. Stroman gave up nine hits while striking out five. On the bump for the Orioles, Andrew Kashner gave up four hits through six innings. Things were quiet for the Jays the whole game until the bottom of the ninth, when big man Rowdy Teles came up with the lights shining on him once again as he cranked one to center for a solo shot, bringing the gap just to one in crunch time. But nothing seemed to change for the Jays as Randall Grichuk grounded to third, and Freddie Galvis flied out as the Orioles beat the Jays 2-1. to one. Wednesday, the Orioles went in for the sweep, but newly extended Randall Grichuk had other plans as he took the team on his back. Grichuk got things going as he hit a double on a line drive to right and would eventually score with a Teoscar Hernandez single as the Jays jumped out to an early 1-0 lead. Grichuk showed why he got extended as in the third and the eighth, he hit two solo shots for the Jays to climb the lead to 3-0. Lourdes Goriel would come up to bat in the eighth and would score two on a soft line drive to former Jay Dwight Smith Jr., in the top of the ninth, the Orioles did their best to try and sweep the Jays with a Trey Mancini, with Trey Mancini hitting a three-run homer to center. But that was it for the O's as the Jays would lose five. But that was it for the O's bid for the sweep as they would lose five to three. Matt Shoemaker got the call for the Jays, providing yet another stellar performance of shutout ball, pitching seven innings of work, surrendering two hits, and walked just one batter while striking out eight.
The woes continued for the Jays heading into Ohio as they took on the Indians, a four-game series where they were able to drum up just 16 hits. And here's a fun fact for you guys. The Yankees, they hit 14 bombs, 14 home runs in the series against the Orioles. Moving on, this is a Blue Jays podcast, not a Yankees. The game on Thursday, there was nothing special about it. Aaron Sanchez allowed two runs on five hits through six innings of work while striking out five. And this was the game where the Indians carried a combined no-hitter into the ninth inning. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Don't want to recap this one too much. The Jays did drop the game 4-1. to one. And yes, I said it right. The Jays were combined no hits through eight innings of work. It wasn't until the ninth when Freddie Galvis hit a single to lead off the inning. But like I said, it was brutal. Not going to recap it too much. But the struggles would not stop there. On Friday, Trent Thornton got the call for the Jays. In the third inning, Kevin Ploiecki got a hold of one for a solo shot to left to take the lead to 1-0 for the Indians. In the fifth, the Jays got their first lead of the series with Freddie Galvis, who seems to be the only guy hitting for the Jays, going to right for a two-run bomb, providing Thornton some run support, putting him in line for the win. But in the bottom of the ninth, Max Moroff tied things up at two that scored Hanley Ramirez. And in the bottom of the ninth, Carlos Santana walked things off for the Indians as he hit a home run to left center as the Indians took that game. Trent Thornton gave up just two runs on three hits through five and two-thirds and looks to potentially have earned another start for the Jays. Saturday's game was another game with nothing positive to look at. Thomas Pannone got roughed up in just two and two-thirds innings. He allowed four earned runs on five hits and struck out three as the Indians led 4-0 by the third. In the fifth, the Jays scored two runs, one off the bat of Freddie Galvis, who hit, a so- who hit a solo shot, and Randall Grichuk on a double to score Teoscar Hernandez. But that was the only runs the Jays would be able to get as Luciano would take two runs on his plate in the fifth. And in the bottom of the sixth, Jose Ramirez would score on a throwing error as he stole third. With a final score of 7-2, Indians fans would walk into Progressive Field Sunday with broomsticks in hands, and they were able to wave them proudly. The man who is leading the rotation, Marcus Stroman, was the starter today, and it was his poorest performance of the year, and that's saying something about the offense, as he gave up just three runs through six innings. Two runs came across early in the first for the Indians as Carlos Santana, who's been hitting a hot stick as of late, hit a double to left, scoring Jake Bowers, and Tyler Naquin singled to left to score Santana. In the fifth, Jose Ramirez singled a grounder to right to score Brad Miller as the Indians' lead grew to three. In the eighth, the only Jays' run would come off the bat of Danny Jansen, who finally got his first RBI of the season, scoring Billy McKinney. But that was it for the Jays as they would drop it 3-1. to one. The Jays got swept for the first time this season and now sit at 3-8 and eight for the season. 
the only positive thing that you could really look at is the pitching staff to this point. The Jays have the third best starting rotation in the majors with a 2.21 ERA and 10.5 strikeouts through nine. And the bullpen is even sitting at the, as the ninth best in baseball right now. Mind you, it is only 11 games through the season, and things could change at any point in time, but the bats are just horrendous. They have a collected 191 batting average, which is good for 27th, a 270 on base percentage, good for 26, and just 28 runs, which put them at 22nd. A couple of key reasons for that is Lourdes Gurriel for one. He has nine strikeouts through 28 plate appearances and just two hits, and is in the middle of a position battle now with Alan Hansen coming on board. And Richard Arrhenia, who seems to be one of the few guys who can actually see the ball coming to the plate, as he has seven hits, three of which are doubles in 16 plate appearances. Aside from Arrhenia and Galvez, not a single Jay is clipping above 200. And just Teles, who is on the bench, is the only other guy who has an on-base percentage above 320. Our third baseman, Brandon Drury, has struck out 17 times. And Grichuk, who's going to be with this team for five years by the looks of things, has 14 strikeouts. The saddest stat of them all, in the series against the Indians, the Jays struck out a total of 57 times. No way in hell is there a chance this team can continue to perform the way they are. I think that they really need to explore other options because this is just despicable. Don't be surprised if we see Shapiro and Atkins sell high on guys like Stroman and Sanchez if the team isn't close to having a 500 record. Moving on. The news was a little bit hard to swallow. And seeing Pilar get choked up was just the icing on the cake. On Tuesday of last week, just before the first pitch against the Orioles, Kevin was shipped to his native state of California for infielder Alan Hansen, pitchers Juan de Paula, and Derek Law. Now, since the spring, I have been saying that the writing has been on the wall for the Jays to move on from Kevin. So there's that. But I don't think that we expected him to be moved in the first month of the season. The Jays have Anthony Alford waiting in the minors to get his crack to be in center every day, who had a solid spring, but also an outfield that consists of Teoscar Hernandez, Billy McKinney, Randall Grichuk, and now Socrates Brito, who came over in a minor league deal the same day from San Diego. Kevin is without a doubt one of the best defensive outfielders the Jays have ever had in their organization, and probably the largest fan favorite since Johnny Mack. But here's the thing. The Je but here's the thing. The objective is to win ballgames, and Kevin last season had an on-base percentage of 282, just not good enough for an everyday outfielder. Mind you, he did have a career high in doubles with 40, but he doesn't walk enough. And since the spring, all he seems to do is strike out. To start the regular season with the Jays, he had one hit across 17 plate appearances and three strikeouts. No matter how much the Jays fans might love him for his defensive capabilities, he was just not a reliable offensive producer. It was without a doubt tough to accept for many, but it was just time. There was never a doubt that Kevin loved playing here in Toronto. Just take a listen to what he said moments after being traded. There's so much. Um, I mean, the biggest thing is um, just thank you. You know, they, they've been great to me. They've been uh, just supportive of, you know, a lot of things that I've gone through on the field. Um, personally, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff I did off the field. Personally, you know, I, I 
got a chance to, you know, live my dream. You know, I got called up as a 24-year-old kid that probably had no uh, intentions of, of getting to the big leagues. Was able to, was able to, you know, have my uh, debut here in Toronto as a, like I said, a 24-year-old kid. I'm leaving here as a 30-year-old man with, you know, a wife and a kid and just, you know, a lifetime of memories. And, you know, I think I'm not, I'm not Superman. I'm not the player that, you know, this kind of this city and this country kind of, you know, allowed me to, you know, almost become, you know, kind of a, a mythical uh, kind of superhuman uh, baseball player. And, you know, I can't thank him enough for that. Kevin did more than just play baseball for the Blue Jays. Kevin was a huge part of the Jewish community here. And he was also very integral in the Jays going to Sick Kids Hospital here in Toronto, something that a lot of the organizations do. And it's the reason why he was nominated for the Roberto Clemente Award for the Jays in both 2016 and 2018. Pilar was nominated for his work with the Jays Care Foundation. Pilar acted as the Jays Challenger Program Player Ambassador for the Pilar was the Challenger Program Player Ambassador for the Jays Care Foundation, which is designed to enhance the experience of children living with cognitive or physical disabilities. There is no question of a doubt that there will be a sense of emptiness by many of the fans, but I think it was great for the team to move on the way they did. We got a couple of great pieces in Alan Hansen, Derek Law, who very well could come up and be a, a reliever for the Jays and a strong arm in Juan de Paulo. So here's the thing. Overall, they got a solid return for a guy who is going to make a few outstanding catches in center field. I'm kind of okay with it. On that note, I do wish him the best of luck in San Francisco, but we have better things coming up through the minors. And ultimately, it was time for him to move on from the organization. So big thanks to Pilar for everything that he did for this organization and the fans. We really did always appreciate seeing you out in center field. But it's a part of the business. It's a part of the game. People get traded. Closing thing off, as always, with Prospect Watch, I'm diving right into 2018 first rounder Jordan Groshans. With the 12th selection of the 2018 MLB draft, the Toronto Blue Jays select Jordan Groshans, a shortstop from Magnolia High School in Magnolia, Texas. Jordan is just 19 years old and spending the start of the year across the Windsor border in Lansing. Jordan is an athletic shortstop who has tremendous potential. The Jays are jam-packed with infield potential, and this is yet another guy who could quickly make his way onto the roster. Last year, he spent the season playing in rookie ball, where he had 142 at-bats with 12 doubles, 4 home runs, and 39 RBIs in 37 games. There's no question of a doubt he is a promising player, who is projected to be drafted later in the first round, but the Jays seen something special in him, and they took him in 2018 at 12th. Fresh out of high school, going into draft, Groshans came out of Magnolia High School, where in his senior year, he batted 444, had 11 doubles, 3 triples, 11 home runs, and 36 RBIs. He played the majority of time at short, but down the road, he looked better to be slotted in at third with his size, especially with a guy like Kevin Smith, who very well looks like he could be the shortstop of the future. He definitely has the raw power necessary, but he also makes such great solid contact that he could look to be a dependable leadoff man 
who will find the gaps to go start the games off right. A thing we desperately have needed for years now. The best thing of it all is he's just 19 years old, so the Jays can continue to take their time with his progression. If all works out for him this season, he could finish the year in double A and be a part of what looks to be a dominant Fisher Cats team who look to defend their Eastern League Championship. As always, a term from Dixon Baseball Dictionary, Knights of SWAT, home run hitters, a term from 1910. I appreciate you guys listening in. I am your host, Alexio, and this has been another edition of the BJ Bus Podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at T 